We're back. We're back. All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk everything in the world of movies and television. Uh, I'm your host, Mike. And like always, I'm here with Richard and Raymond. And uh, what we do, we like to talk about the things, you know, either we saw or the things we've been reading about in the world of movies, some television stuff. And we've been uh, off for a week because, uh, well, it's hot summer <laughs> we took a summer break also we we're trying to figure out the whole kind of sag writer's strike i you know like because we you know usually do a weekly box office report and it to me at least personally i i just found that strange to report on how much these studios make when they're <laughs> like in <laughs> right or you know yeah and, and, we just so happen to take the, the right take our time off Right when the it's the biggest box office uh, weekend oh, success for in history, all time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like uh, Barbara Heimer. It's just a phenomenon, mm-hmm. and of course we have to take a break and not even talk about it. But I guess we could talk about it now. And, and now that the uh, Barbara Heimer and you know that's Barbie and Oppenheimer has done extremely well for the second week, and so it's not just a one week phenomenon. And so no. instead of no, just going no. to like say how you know how much the the studios are making out out of this. Let's let me just ask you this: Like, how much how much is this going to affect the, the 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 industry? Uh, you know, people are saying, "Well, you got two big original films, and maybe that's why it's doing so well." You know, especially this summer, where we saw kind of a lack of of uh, interest in uh, superhero movies, and even like franchise movies like Indiana Jones, uh, and even I guess even Mission Impossible too. I mean, I, I know, the, yeah, that's that's still one of the biggest box office stories of the year also because i'm still trying to figure the whole thing out i really think my my uh sound of uh, freedom theory is true that that uh we were all expecting um uh mission impossible to be like the biggest one yet in the franchise but because of the success of top gun maverick but i think sound of freedom took half of that audience away that top gun maverick audience so that's why uh mission impossible's it's struggling it's a substantial audience because it's you know sound of of uh, of freedom is just doing phenomenally well it's mm-hmm. it's i mean i i thought for sure it's just gonna like uh uh top top uh, at like maybe 40 million or something but this is even more no, than it's, that no, it's gonna be one of the biggest movies of the year yeah it's doing it's it, it, there's a there's a possibility that it might do even better than mission impossible which is which is crazy to think at least domestically it, it will yeah uh so it, but, but let me ask you about the, the the popularity of of Barbie and the popularity of Oppenheimer. How will this affect the industry itself? I think uh, the the success of Barbie Heimer, whatever the two movies. I think that yeah, I think that that, that it's it's mostly due to the the memes, uh, the, the 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 attention it got mm-hmm. um, that 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 helped it the most. I mean, it's 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 the the uh, the the unexpected attention that I got from all these um uh, uh you know uh, social media. I, I think uh, there's know. definitely I think there's definitely some uh, a lot of truth to what Richard's saying because I I agree with it, yeah. but I also think that uh like even if Oppenheimer wasn't didn't come out, Barbie was just going to somehow become one of the become one of the biggest movies in history. I don't know why. Like um maybe it's just because like. This is truly a, a movie 
that's made for for a, a female audience and it, it also has enough appeal that it like it doesn't completely turn off you know the male audience and um yeah i mean it's, it's just a phenomenon but i think uh barbie has been like selling out so much that that has really helped oppenheimer a lot and i think it also has helped other movies in the box office because mm-hmm. i think haunted mansion would have actually opened much lower if uh barbie wasn't in theaters like i think i think other movies like even talk to me and stuff are, are benefiting from from barbie and i it's been like such a long time since we had a movie like this well it's very much you know like a I mean? throwback to early 2000s maybe 2010 where it felt like well at least to summertime is, to me this is like this to me this is like going back to like 90s uh <laughs> yeah like to like titanic or something <laughs> like that well, I guess the, this, the, this feels like a like a like a James Cameron thing, you know. I, I guess the phenomenon aspect of Barbie feels like something like that, right? But yeah, I think the, I I think what we not, and also like when uh, when James a James Cameron movies would you know do well in theaters, you know they'd sell out, and then other movies would also start to do better because of that, because just more people are going to the movies in general because of it. Yeah, but also. Uh, the story that I'm getting from, you know, the, the success of Barbie and Oppenheimer is like, there is just an enthusiasm, like a well, uh, delightful enthusiasm to go back to the movie theaters and, and spend some time in, in with, you know, friends and family or whatever to watch these movies that you don't necessarily get with Indiana Jones or, you know, Mission Impossible, like, or even like the comic book movies or the Marvel movies. There, there were. I guess the the discussion around those movies have been so tainted by uh, naysayers and negativity that if it feels like, uh, why would I subject myself going through? You know, it just it doesn't feel like I'm enthusiastically wants to watch these movies when, you know. Also, do you do you think maybe like the the whole like the whole idea of just seeing something that's not a sequel like every movie that's pretty much in theaters like almost every movie like you have to like do kind of homework you know what i mean like Mm. this is like what the eighth mission impossible movie indiana jones i'm sure there's a lot of people that didn't never even saw the original three you know and stuff so i guess original four now (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but uh yeah so i i think maybe and like insidious also that's like what the fifth one or sixth one or there's a bunch of them so i i don't know i just i just think maybe the whole not having to you know do catch up with a bunch of other films helped barbie and op and oppenheimer well i i so there there's a couple of theories that i've heard about you know this phenomenon and and some of it was kind of giving a little more credit on the filmmakers themselves uh greta gerwig you know she's has become i, I especially now after the success of barbie she has become the one of the leading well, female directors I, I think, of all I think time that's more I personally think that's more a narrative that people are trying to create. No, but the, the I real think... truth, the real truth is people don't know who Greta Gerwig is. Yeah. But I think there is a fan base surrounding her that really feels. Say, come on. How niche is that audience, man? Like, let's I be real. Know. Like, I know, you, I know you love little women, but like, look, look at those box office numbers. <laughs> but look also... at her box office numbers before that. How many people have seen these movies? Like, let's not, let's not pretend that that's but, like a barbie audience but there's there's been other f- female directors there, that if anything, have come I, out. I, would, I would credit more margaret robbie if anything oh yeah i'm sure that's the you know also uh um um at least um, people know who she is ryan gosling too but 
and but I'm I'm saying that because there's such a there's been other female directors who have come out with their movies and you know, look 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 for example Joyride, which was a female directed movie, female cast and all that. Yeah. And it did terrible. It did terrible because I don't think there was enough kind of fan base that surrounded that cast or the well, director. Also, it was it was also a very niche movie. Yeah, I would say well, yeah, I guess so too. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess And also like I and also like I I I saw Joe Wright because the trailers I mean the not the trailers the uh, reviews for it were amazing and they had such strong early buzz coming from like CinemaCon mm-hmm. and early screenings that I, I it won me over it convinced me to go see it but I mean the trailers for that movie were horrible <laughs> for which ones for which movie for Joyride Joyride oh, Joyride Joyride yeah you're right 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 yeah and so, we, yeah I we mean, saw Joyride and, and we we didn't yeah. find it that funny at all yeah. yeah, yeah I, I didn't think the movie was very funny. I, I didn't think it was a bad movie, though. I, I kind of liked it. I thought I liked the um, the storyline with the main character in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but yeah, that movie was very overhyped. Uh, yeah. And what I'm, were I, we talking about again? <laughs> <laughs> the success of Barbie. And, and, and OK, Barbie. but also the if Greta Greta Okay, yeah, Greta I don't Gerwig. think Greta Ger- I don't think Greta Gerwig has anything to do with the success of this movie. Oh, uh, besides, you know, her actual ability, you know, as a director and what she did with the film. I'm not trying to take any <laughs> anything away from her in that. I'm just saying, like, her name didn't do anything to didn't do anything for this movie. I don't believe so. And unless I- they actually like tried to like use in the marketing, like from Academy Award winner Greta Gerwig, but they didn't even do that. <laughs> well, I was, I was, oh, the, the reason I say this, and, and someone has pointed out that, you know, because like, I, I would say a lot of the success of Oppenheimer has to do because of the Christopher Nolan fans, and which has been, yeah, go- absolutely. Yeah. So and I, I think in the same sentence, you could say there is a fan base, not as big as Christopher Nolan, of course, but I think Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig has a fan base. And I think no, Lady- she doesn't, but she does now. Well, sure, but I think Lady Bird. She she didn't she didn't have an she didn't have a big enough audience. So I we're, we're never going to end on the jump. But, but let me let me say this. She, 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 I think Lady Bird, which is a movie that we don't particularly, you know, I liked it. It, it was fine. I, 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 it was fine. I liked it, was, it more than little. I liked it more than Little Women. Well, I like Little Women more than Lady Bird, and but I think for a certain demographic, a younger, you know, somewhere around Greta Gerwig's age who was in what in the 30 like mid 30s who grew up you know who went to high school in the in the early 2000s really see lady bird as their okay. uh, american graffiti I, I, or something or, i don't i don't disagree with that i just don't think women have seen that movie i don't oh, okay. think people have I, seen that's that a movie good, that's a good point then so, so I'm, 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 like, if, if that movie if lady bird maybe hits netflix one day and it becomes the number one movie for like a month or something mm-hmm. like that then i will agree with what you're saying but nobody has seen the movie. It okay. didn't make any money, and it, and it hasn't made any money on streaming. So I, that's that's all I'm saying. Like no one knows who she is because no one's seen her movies. Now people know who she is because of Barbie. I don't know. I I think I still think there's a lot of female, certainly female audience. L.A. and New York. Maybe. Maybe. Obviously, oh, and San yeah. Francisco. Maybe. I mean, a lot of a lot of the major cities that have seen those Lady Bird and, and Little Women and really kind of. Uh, wants to see her become this new, you know, Hollywood yeah. uh, filmmaker and, and pushing yeah, pushing that narrative. Yeah, but she, but I do think that she is a superstar now. But I don't think she was a superstar before this. Okay, I don't think people. I don't think people even knew who she was. Yeah, well, I kind of agree. Also, and also, but I think also 
this movie had uh, um, a much bigger potential by its the IP itself, Barbie itself, as, as being mm-hmm. well, worldwide known, mm-hmm. and um, women of all ages um, had uh, Barbie as Barbie uh, dolls at some point in their lives. Even people who didn't play play with Barbie, they know Barbie because it's such a... And and with all the thanks to the memes and all the pop, pop, um, the social popularity I think uh, women were excited to go see it and they were were excited to go see it with their friends to go dress dress up in pink and go Mm -hmm. make a a day Mm -hmm. out of it. That's what it is. And that's and 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 they decided to go yeah exactly it's like a happy birthday of uh, Ben you know it's so it's, it's like, literally like Star Wars a James but, Cameron movie but yeah. it's literally like how like Star Wars came out in I mean the the, the prequels you know where uh, fans would, well I did better than that it's, it's it's more like a Avatar yeah maybe maybe it's 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 like I think Barbie is the the film. Maybe I think probably even more so than Oppenheimer. That where you you take all your friends and family to it, and and have this kind of going out experience. Where Oppenheimer would maybe you would go with one friend and or maybe go by yourself or whatever. It's a much more kind of different crowd. But I think mm-hmm. the excitement of of those two movies coming out at the same time really felt like a throwback to early two thousands where especially summertime you know like summer that was the t- you know the time to go to the movie theaters get out of the hot uh weather and go to an air conditioner or movie movie theater and spend some like four hours at a movie theater and that really felt like that was these these movies did i mean it really uh uh f- for a short period and probably still going it's still going on i mean people are still going to these movies but it really f- feels like a throwback to when movies were kind of fun and, and exciting mm-hmm. to go to and go to these theaters, you know? And I, I don't think we had that kind of same thing um, for the last couple of years. I, mean, I guess maybe Avatar a little bit. I say no, no way home. Yeah. No, there, 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 there's definitely been movies. I mean, I mean, the, the, the truth is there's been a, a lot of comic book movies over the year that had this success success. I mean, even like something like Joker, mm-hmm. but, or Aquaman, but, uh, but, the thing is, there's no denying it now, and I mean, comic book fatigue is a real thing. It's it's definitely it's set in. It's this is this is the year that we've seen the effects of it. Mm-hmm. It seems like really the last movie, the last comic book movies that were true true successes were um, Spider Man No Way Home and uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Guardians. Multiverse- Guardians Three. Guardians Three is I think kind of like a, a fluke. Like that's no, that doesn't count that doesn't count like people wanted to see the finale to right. see the the wrap-up of guardians of that storyline but mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that counts that's a that's a james gunn science fiction movie <laughs> <laughs> no but it was you know if if it, if it sucked then it wouldn't work but if it, I no mean, i mean i love guardians 3 but i yeah. mean the thing is the thing is i don't they're they're not putting on capes and saving people like it's not i don't think that counts it's a totally different not, MCU movie, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like a superhero thing, really. What I was trying to say though was, um, the you know the last two really big successes in in the genre were uh, Spider Man No Way Home and uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and you know those movies sucked. I mean, ever I know everyone you know was very you know, uh, you know, uh, when they saw Spider Man No Way Home, the the fan service really got to them and it made them believe that it was a good movie. But mm-hmm. by the term multiverse of madness came out, people were starting to come to their senses. 
And I, um, I still think there's plenty of fans that are still sticking with it. I mean, that, that, that's, there are, but there, it's not, it's not like it was before. But it's not as disappointing as the rest of. Uh, uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. There's no, there's no denying that. But um, I, I think just you know the fact that you know these last two successful comic book movies were really just not very good. I think is is part of the reason why this genre is dying. I mean, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania was like really the first one to like where we saw that effect, and DC just straight up died. Like, <laughs> like Marvel's dying, and DC's like not even on life support anymore. It's just, <laughs> just dead. Well, definitely well, with the uh, the the outlook of how Blue Beetle is looking, uh, that it might actually be the worst DC and superhero movie. Uh, Coming out, you know, box office wise. Box I mean, the movie, wise, the movie, yeah. hopefully, is going to probably be good. But. Well, even with like, say, the release of, of Secret Invasion, where no one is talking about, and it really, oh no, they're talking about it being bad. Well, yes, mm-hmm. the the ones who mm-hmm. did see it, but I think a lot yeah. more people are haven't really saw, saw it and really don't even care to go see it. And this, we're, yeah. we're talking about like Samuel L. Jackson, who is a you know, beloved uh, actor, and Nick, yeah, all Nick, time. Nick Fury is, you know, is uh one of the you know fan favorite marvel characters and no one really gives a shit about these and things. it's a big a big storyline that it's the, specifically the thing that a lot of the fans that try to make excuses for these marvel movies have been saying oh the reason these movies aren't doing good is because they're not setting up a storyline it's not you know they they always complain that oh the reason you know this movie didn't do well is because they're doing a, a, a contained standalone story we need you know bigger right uh uh, consequences or whatever like that's the big that's why they're saying that ant-man and the wasp failed right because mm-hmm. there wasn't you know more consequences to the movie to affect the, the greater mcu well this is a big thing that really affect it's going to affect the whole future of the marvel universe and no one gives a damn <laughs> so let's get back to the barbie Heimer thing so what is the lasting effect that, that that's going to have on the industry are are they going to start are they waking up that they need more original films yeah or is it just gonna so. be just a new franchise certainly with the more um um like barbie 2 yeah you know there were well, was talking about ken I'm, spinoff I'm hoping, I'm hoping i'm hoping that um if they actually do make a barbie 2 i hope that it fails mm. and i'm not trying <laughs> to like be mean to barbie because i'm happy that barbie's a huge success and i'm happy that Oppenheimer is having a lot of success as well i just hope it fails because i want hollywood to kind of get the message like oh maybe sequels aren't the answer you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i think at this point barbie's guaranteed to be like one of the biggest movies of all time right. but i want it i want it to be the biggest movie of all time because it's like this original movie for a very like underserved audience and if they make a sequel like i don't want hollywood to continue like with this whole franchise thing i, I want i want them to get out of that and yeah i, I want the message to be original movies and you know if you are going to make movies you know um if you're if you want if you want to try to you know make more money maybe you know make a movie for a a completely underserved audience right because i i mean there have been female movies made for females obviously but nothing like this before no uh, I think uh, um, Hollywood's going to announce that the sequels are already going to be in the works soon. After the, right after, either going to wait till the strike is over, or um, yeah, I guess they'll have to wait till the the, the strike, to, yeah, for the strike to be done to get to announce a, a, a you know if Greta Gerwig is coming back and all that. Um, but yeah, they're they're, they're already 
it, I'm sure it's always all in the works. I'm sure Mel, Mattel is trying to um, get all their IPs um, sold right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm think I'm thinking that the the produ- other producers are thinking of other IPs that are uh, focused more on women. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like a they do uh, um, like a an Archie's movie, um, like in the, in the same kind of vein. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're appeal oh, appeal to w- women and some men. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's Archie. But also, uh, may, may, uh, also, we we should bring up that you know, it it does seem like you know this movie was actually able to really kind of get the the LGBTQ community to come out and see this movie, mm-hmm. and it's it, and it's it's pretty great to see that because like because you know we we've got I don't know if we if we talked about this really on the podcast before. But we talked about like the failure of bros before, and like we we mm. we watched the movie, you know, out of curiosity. I, no, we were, I, didn't, uh, I couldn't finish it. <laughs> I, okay. didn't, I didn't. I didn't. Whiff. It's a thing. I don't oh, like I, Billy Eichner. Well, I, I I watched I watched the movie, and I was very very disappointed by the movie, and I felt like it was a movie that was made not necessarily for an LGBTQ community, but for a very like niche part of the LGBTQ community. Mm. And I think because of that reason, like the movie was, it was like the niche of niche you know what i mean right. so it's like it was like guaranteed to fail like and that movie really should have never been produced and but i mean barbie and movies like megan you know they, they they were able to kind of to do something right and like really appeal to that audience well as far as bros goes i mean i couldn't finish it at all but i did but i did finish this, uh, the 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 television series the apple television series uh platonic which has had the, basically the same uh People, I saw the uh, first two episodes. Basically, had the same, uh, um, you know, uh, filmmakers yeah. uh, involved in it. Yeah, Nick Stoller, yeah, everybody, but of Nicholas, course Billy Eichner, which is the, the plus two. But that, that was a Seth. That's basically a Seth Rogen and Rose Rose Byrne, same uh, director too. Co- company, right? Yeah, comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and it's a good show. It's a good show. It's a uh, uh, Ramey, the same like, actor. You right? didn't the, like the, the? You only saw the first two. You didn't like the? You didn't want to? No, go no, back. I, I liked it. I just, I you know. I need to go back to it, but it's pretty good. It's a, it's a, I would say that was, that's a more, uh, I guess middle age, not middle age, uh, you know, 35 and something, you know, kind of like crisis, uh, existential crisis comedy. I thought it was a better version of like, for at least what I saw was like a better version of this is 40. Yeah. 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 Although I don't think they're 40 yet. Maybe they are 40. <laughs> I can't remember. I, yeah. I don't know. I thought they were, but close <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. But that guy who uh, plays Rose Rose Burns uh, husband. husband is is fantastic. Yeah, he, he's in, I, he's I, in, he was in Bros. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to um something. Well, let's get something recently that Raymond has been doing. Um, he has he just attended one of the big horror conventions of the summer. Probably maybe some of the, the one of the biggest of the year. Uh, is it Summer Night? No, no. What's it called? Summer Midsummer. Midsummer, Midsummer Scream. Scream? Yeah. So it was a big event in Los Angeles or Long Beach, actually, Long Beach, California, uh, at the convention center, and it's kind of like a, a horror version of the of Comic Con. And we should also talk about a little bit of Comic Con this year in San Diego because it was a week before. It was a week before, and and there was a lot of uh, talk about how it's going to really suck 
this year because because of, of the writers and actors strike and that, that no kind of and it seemed like it was fucking awesome this year like <laughs> i wish i had tickets to go to comic-con like wow it seemed like it was like back in the day back when you guys would take me to comic-con when i was a little kid mm-hmm. like when you wouldn't actually have to wait in line for hall h you could just kind of like go in and now whenever you want like the last time i went to uh, uh comic-con i think it was like 2018 or 2017 uh i don't know it was it was the year that they were like um the year when uh, Aquaman came out, Aquaman and like mm-hmm. um, uh, Shazam and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were promoting those movies at Comic Con, and I remember I really wanted to go to those panels. And I remember having to like um, get in line in like four in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, man, what's the point of even like paying for this like ridiculously overpriced hotel if I have to get in line at like four in the morning? Mm-hmm. Then you get inside at ten. You have to sit through a bunch of panels that you don't care about, and it's just like it's it's torture like that and you have to be like how much money am i spending like to be here and like i have to put, be put through all this just to sit through a one hour panel mm-hmm. and it's like this this was like a true throwback yeah sure there were no actors there but i don't i don't really care <laughs> you know what i mean they still had you know directors there and you know interest uh yes, you know yes, all, yes. all these all these people like producers and uh, uh they had all these people still you know involved with the film and they were still giving us the information that you know all these actors would give us mm-hmm. it you know so it was it was still basically the same thing you know it's the same experience and oh man yeah yeah minus so, minus, minus the swag <laughs> <laughs> well i think that the, the 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 fear was that because these celebrities wouldn't or aren't well didn't show up because of the strike that it was going to be less interested and people are going to be really disappointed, and it ended up being the total opposite. People were actually uh, still had to go because they bought tickets already, and it was already planned. And they had it seemed like everyone had a really good time, or at least uh, uh, the you know the, they, were, they were saying like the vendors had like a, a terrific time because uh, people yeah, weren't stuck in the great. hall eight, and then they were actually buying stuff, and they, it, w- it was like the best sales uh, uh, ever, you know. B- b- compared to previous uh, uh san diego cons that it was the one of the better ones yeah. and it seems like it was like a throwback to you know po- uh, pre mcu uh comic con where it was just about about comic books about fandom about uh about go- shopping about <laughs> shopping yeah about you know yeah. g- getting toys getting collectibles getting uh merch and books Posters books and yeah, yeah all that stuff so uh th- so that was actually a surprised yeah and imagine how fun all imagine how happy all the like comic book artists must have been because now people are actually getting their autographs you know what i mean people Mm -hmm. were actually getting their comics signed they weren't on all these like you know lines to do all these other things like i mean hall h and all not just lines for hall h but all these other things and all these other you know actors taken away from the comic book artists yeah Yeah. we don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean who knows (laughs) we know i mean the, the the reviews or the you know what what people were saying uh was pretty much positive and i was shocked and i'm i'm glad that the that it seemed like it was going back to its roots um, but then again it could be all be bullshit you think so no i don't know I don't, I don't i don't think so i i i believe it and i i've saw i just saw you know i was watching a bunch of videos online like people mm-hmm. like blogging during comic-con and to me it seemed more like a throwback it seemed fun because like I, look, I, I I always love going to Comic-Con. Whenever I'm able to get tickets, because it's basically a raffle, if you can get tickets, it's like winning a lottery. <laughs> but whenever I'm able to get tickets, I always go and I have a great time. But it's never as good as like when I was a little kid. And it's not just because I was a kid back then. It's because 
it changed. You can't have the same experience back then that you you can't have the same experience now that you could back then. But it seems like this year they were kind of able to do that. And I I hope that Comic Con could kind of go back to how it was in the past because. Man, I wish I could experience Comic-Con like that, but at, at, at my age now, because, you know, I was, I was a child back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really wish they moved it to Vegas, because, um, yeah. I mean, Vegas, it's true that they, um, they have more, much more accommodations for the, the size of people that, that, that attend Comic-Con. Uh, oh, Comic-Con. Um, so it's much, it'll, it'll be much easier to find a hotel, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and, and even the, uh, the convention itself, there'll be, um, there's a bunch of hall H's they can order and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but let's get, let's talk about, uh, Midsummer Screams and this is the sixth year, uh, it, it has, has, uh, been doing this for six years now and it's as big or not maybe that not as big but it's it's pretty big it's a pretty popular uh halloween convention and uh, i guess the, the the difference here with uh midsummer Mid- screams is that it was it's horror movies it's also the haunts the horror haunts they were kind of combining both of those 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 communities well it's it's uh, also the announcement of the themes that they're of the uh the popular Los Angeles um, based uh, um, um, haunts, the, right? The haunts and attractions. Yeah, the yeah, Knott's Berry Farm, Uni- Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Six Flags. Six Flags. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and yeah. also all the just you know uh, haunted houses and mazes and you know escape rooms and all that stuff that you know they do for for the hall for the um, Halloween season. Right. So, here, yeah, so here in California, I mean, you paid like a golden pass, which means you were there for the all three days. Uh, tell us your yeah. experience of going through uh, mid- Midsummer Screams. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it was fun. I'm, I mean, my, my feet hurt still <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking so much, but I mean, the, ma- the main reason that I went, um, uh, like I bought my ticket immediately when i when i saw that the the lost boys cast was going to be there because uh i i just i guess i've been like going cons you know since i was a little kid you know with you guys but uh, i just started going to horror cons this year and uh, i've been kind of going to horror cons like every time i go my, my priorities are always to get my movie posters autographed like I, I like getting um autographs on my movie posters and you know i wanted uh to meet the cast of uh, the lost boys so uh some of them were going to be there so I, I, I went and uh, I was very shocked and kind of pretty blown away that there were, wasn't, there's not really a big audience for the Lost Boys anymore. Because <laughs> I, I don't know, I was just kind of like surprised that, that there wasn't like any lines like to go to, to meet the cast and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I just... Well, I think uh, I, I, I've been I've been noticing that it seems like these kind of more '90s movies have really just become more dominant, prominent, and yeah, it's kind of um, it's interesting, right? Well, I think uh, um, everyone who attended on that that uh, from Lost Boys, they've attended uh, another convention like just like last you know, year, la- as early as last year or the the year before the pandemic or something like that, so. Um, 
So there are fa- there's familiar faces in, in these conventions. Well, they already had their um yeah their uh, signatures from them like that. I think the only one that the real hard to get right now is Kiefer Sutherland. Sure, mm-hmm. and I, I think Lost Boys and, and he has done the uh, uh, autographs uh, signings too. Yeah, I, I think Lost Boys has kind of lost a little bit of its its popularity because oh of, no, I don't know. No. I think Twilight might have taken over. For no, that. Uh, Lost Boys. I mean, they they. Uh, Got even more popular in the, the past two years because the the 4K okay. Blu-ray, and uh, yeah, even Reservation Dogs had a the saxophone player guy. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, was yeah, a yeah. little so cameo they, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I picked up that 4K Blu-ray, but I mean, I don't think people really buy 4K movies in general. But there, I'm just saying, there's a little bit of resurgence compared to yeah. most. Yeah, and also um, last year, I, and I don't know how we did, but uh, it was re-released in theaters, and they, I was actually playing in uh, 40x theaters. Yeah, uh, Lost Boys. Yeah, but, but I, don't, I, I don't know how it did in, in those. <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of moving away from 80s kind of horror movies, and like now getting, getting more focused on 90s stuff, which you know, like yeah, you got the Scream. final yeah, Scream and the Final Destination stuff, and uh, I and guess also I'd, um. Even though it's for technically an '80s um, franchise, I would say Chucky uh, has really kind of taken over. Mm-hmm. I, I think specifically because I think you know the sequels. People right? really, people really love Chucky. I think starting from Bride of Chucky for some reason. Yeah, like I love all Chucky movies, but I mean, it seems like you know a lot of people kind of are getting you know stepping away from those original three, mm-hmm. and they're getting more into like the the more wacky, the more wacky Chucky movies, the more comedy uh, ones, the more comedic ones, and. Um, yeah, that and Scream, um, uh, and uh, yeah, Halloween's had j- huge resurgence because of the David Gordon Green movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think, yeah. and I think Lost Boys is still. Uh, I mean, to you know, this we don't. I, well, I, also, you know, the all the Lost Boy sequels that we got were like direct to DVD movies. You know, maybe right. if you know we right. got a Lost Boy sequel that was a big, you know, theatrical feature film, it would have helped. But it's really like I think the. The brand has been kind of um it hasn't been active yeah guess, it's, really. it's it's now it has become a little more obscure i mean for instance i i, I was watching some of the, the the youtube videos uh for for midnight scream but but, but, uh, but i do think though um whenever do like people do watch lost boys for the first time it's like they do love it because mm-hmm. i do think it's a movie that that holds up and I do think that it's like a movie that like the it should be like beloved by the Twilight. The people that love Twilight should love Lost Boys. But um ah, well, I guess, but <laughs> I think so. Because it's 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 way better, right? I mean well, like, Lost it, it Boys, definitely, yes, it, definitely. It, it has that high school appeal, right? It's like I always lo- I always looked at Lost Boys like a high school vampire movie. Mm. And that's what Twilight is, right? It, but Twilight's more romance and stuff, but it's like a high school vampire movie. Well, I would say that, you know, Friday Night has become, has a little bit of resurgence because of those remakes, yeah. the early remakes, um, you know, or the 2000 remake. Um, I think, you know, I was watching some of the, the, the Midnight Summer Screams videos on YouTube. And funny enough, the, the big line of, of at least Friday was for Rachel True, who was from The Craft. The original craft yeah. movie and i think movie. that's that that was had a resurgence because of the remakes even though i hate these kind of remakes you, you can't i think they they do in a there way was help. A remake huh? yeah there was a horrible remake i didn't see I it never, I, didn't I didn't see, see it, it but, but I, 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 
he got bad reviews but um but i i i think i think that has just more to do with the fact that you know like that we were talking about like these 90s movies seem to like really kind of be the the horror movies right. that that people love and even though i've been seeing at horror cons a lot of love for like early 2000s horror films also mm. yeah the tor- you think torture horror coming is coming back um has it ever left uh, i guess maybe a little bit and maybe it became a bit more niche right well they just announced the saw x so yeah and that was like the, was the original original the one to to kind of start the the torture porn stuff but uh just to go back to the remakes you know even though i hate these kind of remakes because they never never are as good as the original i can't yeah. deny that that it actually helps kind of uh, make yeah. make the original more aware for for a younger mm-hmm. audience and maybe they go back to watch the the original film and i think that's what happened to the craft and also uh friday night and because there's no remake for halloween the, and Halloween, and because there's no remake for Lost Boys, maybe it's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. Um, yeah, they, they in- should do something with the property, though. They like I don't not not saying a sequel, but they should do something to, like just to like keep the IP alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least a comic book or something. Right? I guess maybe yeah. I don't know what they could do. I don't know what they could do. But um, so well anyway. Like t- I remember, I remember like um, like going back to where we're, the topic we were just on uh, when I was a little kid. Uh, I think back in the PS2 days, they released a video game of the Warriors, the mm-hmm. um, the you know the, the, the Walter the, Hill the classic, yeah, the classic Walter Hill film. Um, and uh, the 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 video game is fantastic. I love that video game. It was it was done by uh, Rockstar Games that does the Grand Theft Auto game of uh, video games, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. But um, that was really like how I discovered that movie, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know I didn't know about the about the warriors i mean this is a very old movie way before my time and it's a cult film yeah, yeah. really it's all, all all those like kind of cult films and stuff i would learn from you guys and you guys never showed me the warriors so i i discovered it you know through the video game and because of the success of the video game they re- they released like these remastered dvds at the time i remember picking it up and i became a huge huge fan of that movie i still i still love the warriors i have posters for the movie in my house and stuff but um i mean you got to keep the IP alive is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Cause I mean like people, my, a whole, a whole generation of people my age discovered that movie because of that video game. And, uh, tell us about what your experience of going to Midsummer screams and how, and how was the crowd? Like, what was the, uh, you know, the, the people like, and what was just the whole vibe? Like, it was great. I mean, just like every horror con I've, I've been at, like the, everyone, the audience is just like very nice and very accepting. Like, the the last time I went to Comic Con, like uh, there, there was it was it was a little kind of like divi- divisive in a way because like there's still like you know the very friendly kind of like con people, mm-hmm. but there was also kind of like a lot of almost toxicity at Comic Con. The last time I went, like you fe- you felt that a, lo- a lot of the kind of like YouTube stuff that's been happening, like you know a lot of these like you know um, cancel culture stuff, like really spreading. And that was like back in 2017 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine like you know. How, how it is now but <laughs> it's probably a lot more frustration in san diego con because they're waiting in line a much more longer yeah that's true yeah um but yeah i the the audience wise like the the, the community wise and, and the horror cons like I, i've had uh, pretty much great experiences um and uh the actual con itself was was fantastic because it was definitely the biggest horror con I, i've been to which surprised me because uh, i i I didn't think it was going to 
be this big really i knew it was going to be big but like i was yeah i was it's it's not as big as comic-con but it's yeah, cool. I, it's I was, pretty it was impressive just, though. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was I was pretty I was pretty surprised by by the size of it and um there was a lot to do. I mean, yeah, I got the 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 VIP badge so I was able to, you know, go on all the mazes and stuff and not have to wait in lines and, and then, um some of the mazes were actually really effective and, you know, most of them a lot of them weren't, but that's how it is at all these places like Universal Studios or whatever. There'll be some there'll be some mazes where it's like, "Wow, that was fantastic and then like a good like 70 percent of them it's like eh, it wasn't really worth the wait but <laughs> that's just how these things go i guess <laughs> so but uh yeah i remember um uh going to long beach convention center in, a long time ago and uh, uh yeah i was during uh spider-man 2 the uh, sam raimi um that's where i first saw james franco and uh he was promoting spider-man 3 with uh avi arad of mm-hmm. all people mm-hmm. and uh but that's when James Franco was very timid and uh, quiet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he's very quiet. Yeah, now. I also ran in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I barely yeah. see him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's when uh, his James Dean phase. But um, I remember. Yeah, I remember you. You uh, you came back because I remember going. Oh, so how was it? And you go, Oh, yeah, James uh, uh, Franco was there. I'll go. Uh, what was he like? And you go. Uh, he didn't say much. He doesn't. Like, I don't yeah. think he likes being in these things. Yeah. And uh uh yeah, like he cuz like, you know, he does have, you know, at, at first he really had this kind of weird uh I don't know, like um shy introverted, uh, yeah, yeah, introverted kind of uh thing. And then a- afterwards he became very, you know, I guess after spending more time with Seth Rogen, he became a little mm-hmm. more open and more willing Rogue to show. joke around. And now he's uh I guess he's canceled now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, well we 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 well, I remember one of the years that we went to Comic Con, we saw a panel for Spider Man Two. Uh, who who was there with Sam Raimi? Because I remember it, it wasn't just Sam Raimi, right? Like who, who was who was with him during that panel? Was you sure it was Spider Man Two? Yeah, in the Comic Con. But that was when they showed. In yeah, Comic-Con? but that was when they showed the the Doc Ock scene. You know, from the no. from the hospital. That's Spider Man One. No, no, no that's that's two. that was two. That was two. That was two. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Oh, oh no, I wasn't there with you. Michael was okay. Yeah, I don't remember who was uh there. Was oh, it Kristen Dunst? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Was there a producer or something like that? Oh, I'm sure Ari Arad was probably there because he's he's mostly there all the time with when when he was promoting <laughs> Spider Man. Um, maybe even um Raimi and Toby. I don't know if Toby was there. No, I don't think Toby was there. Um. Was could Bruce be, Campbell there? <laughs> I was yeah. I was just about to say that could could have been Bruce Campbell there because uh, they uh, or, maybe they had... or his brother Ted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it, I do remember seeing the, the the you know the clip, the kind of, and it's probably the one of the be- better clips of Spider Man Two, uh, uh, the the birth of the Doc Ock, yeah. yeah, and it, it was just a great premiere of that clip. It was fantastic. Where you it, really feel, where you really feel his like Evil Dead influence on in the movie? Yeah, and it tore the tore the place down. I mean, people went wild when they saw it. Uh, it was great. Um, but um, Richard, I I, I think it, talking about your Long Beach experience, you met someone who was very famous from Long Beach or very famous from Southern California. They were walking walking the the floor. Oh, you mean John Singleton? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ran. Yeah, director John Singleton. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, he was just. Uh, I think he was just. 
he was just there at, yeah the long beach convention center the um i think it was a stan lee one of the first stan lee first cons um fan con whatever it was um yeah i ran into him and uh like he was asking me uh or yeah he asked me uh who do you think should play, play uh luke cage and of course he wanted tyree but I, I I drew blank. I couldn't think of anybody. You know, Denzel Washington. You know, <laughs> who am I supposed to say? You know, yeah. He was was but, he was he attached to direct uh, Luke Cage? Yeah, he was he was also he was always a uh, he was always uh, fighting to get that right. Uh, I, I mean, he's yeah. always been a huge comic fan. What, what year was that back then when you met him? Uh, whatever uh, Spider Man Two came out, um, or Spider Man Three probably right. Two? Okay, okay. Could be. Could yeah, be. that was the same that was same the same. Year. Uh, yeah, the clip I saw was um James Frank uh when uh, when Doc Ock climbs up the, the building of James Franco for the first time and looking for uh for um Spider Man that's the the spear, whatever the spear of whatever. Asking for the spear and then James Franco says, Bring me Spider Man. <laughs> um But w- was uh, Singleton just walking down the sh- walking the floor or was he yeah. Yeah, he was just a fan. Mm. He was, and so you the only because the, the only other people I saw was like uh, actually I got uh, David um, Kill Bill, David um, Carradine, Carradine, David Carradine, and uh, Spawn, Michael J. White. You mm. guys, sing, they're signatures. Yeah, because um, I knew on your gonna, Spawn poster. No, I got uh, I had a uh, 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 Kill Bill photos from. Mm. Oh, he, was he in the movie? Yeah, he was cut though. Oh, Michael, Michael J. White. Michael J. White, yeah. yeah. It was a flashback scene or something like that, right? Right, right. Is he in the whole bloody affair? Uh, actually, I think it's still cut from the... <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Did he make the I trailer? Seen the, I've seen, the, I seen the, the, the clip. You can see the clip online. On yeah. The it's a, it's, it, it needed to be uh, cut. It was, was a it showdown. The, was it was it like a, a... But wasn't it originally in the trailer, though? Like, did he make the trailer for half a second? He might have been the first one. First yeah. full one. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That's uh, Richard's experience of <laughs> Long Beach back in the day. Uh, so now it's totally different because now, you know, if you see the videos on YouTube uh, for Midnight Scream, it's huge. I mean, it's, you got the, kind of the floor, you got some of the, the kind of the, 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 you know, actor's alley where you get the signatures, but also behind that, or I don't know, or I don't know how this is placed, but there's another section on the same floor, I guess. Where you get like all these displays, and uh, you're, Raymond, you were saying that you took some, of, you went through some of the mazes, you went through some of that kind of display stuff. Yes, yeah, and some of them were pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, some of them I was like, I was like, man, I don't even understand how they how how they did this. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, um, the the main the main reason though I wanted was like to 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 meet the Lost Boys cast. That's that's when I bought my ticket. I bought my ticket like for this like I think back in February. Mm-hmm. And um, so who did you get then, to sign? Uh, you got Jason. Uh, pa- only only Jason Patrick. Um, uh, one of the other uh, vampire actors. I forgot. Forgot which one. You know, one of the ones that didn't have any lines. <laughs> the brunette, long hair brunette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy and, Worth, uh, Worth? yeah yeah and uh, um the the guy that's that's uh wrote the, the theme song and sings the song for mm-hmm. for the movie and uh yeah i got them on my lost boys poster and then they actually before before the convention like the 
literally the day before the convention, they did made in the last minute announcement that Linda Blair was going to be there on the, on the final day. So, um, uh, Richard gave me, uh, his, um, his exorcist poster from the, the re-release. Uh, what, what year was that from rich? Like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I went, I went to go get that signed by uh, Linda Blair on the final day, and I was totally expecting there like, not to be any line, because there wasn't for the Lost Boys, but I was very happy, and also uh, uh, tired, you know, my feet were tired, <laughs> that I had to actually wait in a two-hour line <laughs> to meet Linda Blair, <laughs> but uh, it was totally worth it, and uh, even though I, because the line was so long, I ended up missing... Uh, the Halloween Horror Nights panel panel I was really looking forward to, but well, I was really happy that uh, I got got to meet her, and um, yeah, I mean that was cool. And uh, overall, I mean the the con was just a uh, was a lot of fun, and I got to go to a lot of uh, fun panels. I went to the Saw X panel and uh, the um, uh, a Tom Holland uh, kind of Q and A panel, and. Um, uh, I, I went to uh, another panel where they were kind of uh, announcing a bunch of the horror uh, uh, about uh, the about uh, horror um, mazes and haunted houses that were going to come this October, and th- that panel was hosted by uh, David Delsmalshen. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, overall, the, the the whole experience was fun. I went to a few other panels too. I, they, I went to like a burlesque show they did over there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, overall, the the whole thing was fun. There's a lot of stuff to do there. There was a lot of um, a bunch of stuff to do in the exhibit floor and it was a, a good time and it reminded me of like going to comic-con back in the day because there was there was lines but it wasn't you know like you know eight hour lines ten hour lines and shit like comic-con and it's so just that, we were talking about this before we recorded and you were saying like you know it's, and not just this horror convention all the horror shows you went this year it feels like a large community that's are you know yes. are blended together where the contrast is like in comic-con there seems like more bubbles you know or pockets yeah pockets you know they and then they don't really kind of blend together and maybe mm-hmm. that's the difference between comic book fans and horror fans where horror fans are i guess and maybe maybe that's because like comic book uh movies have become mainstream where mm-hmm. horror movies are kind of still the considered the kind of the bastard children of of cinema, and <laughs> it's you know it's really kind of like how comic of uh, conventions were back in in the day in the nineties when I used to go when as a, as a, a teenager that you know you know you you couldn't say comic I was a comic fan in high school or I would uh, I would have been laughed at you know and uh, uh, maybe that's not the as extreme for horror fans but. Well, I think, I well, think it's still was, a misfit. There was a time, though. I think there's, there's, there, there was definitely a time, though, like where if, if you would say like you were a horror fan, people would just think you're a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I, I mean, think, I think you. You're... And now, now if if you're, now it's like being a horror fan. That, I mean, most people in high school, I feel like, are horror fans. You know what I mean? Now, yeah, and it's yes. Like I, back then, like. You were like the character in Scream, you know the 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 Randy, the Jamie Kennedy character. You know what I mean? Like you like that. That's basically what what you were like when when I was growing up. And like all my friends were like you know horror fans and stuff too. But it wasn't you know it wasn't like you know the the cool kids were were horror fans, mm-hmm. the popular kids. But now they are. 
and uh, and as far as I know, that there there is a bunch more horror conventions nowadays compared to when I first saw. The 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 first the only horror convention I I remember was uh, Fangoria's. So they just you know. Yeah, it was it was a much more niche thing uh, yeah. back in the day. Or they would just stitch it to the like the sci-fi fantasy conventions. You know, like you go to a sci-fi fantasy convention, and then it would be like a kind of a small, not small, but like a, a decent a, a section of horror. Or yeah, they would, shrine auditorium. Yeah, shrine like the shrine auditorium. Yeah, to, uh, you know, like there, there it, it wasn't like its own separate thing. It was always kind of combined with sci-fi and fantasy. But now it seems like no, there is straight out just horror, and uh, sci-fi and fantasy is now kind of taking the the you know behind this you know it's taken to the it's 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 a sidekick now you know it's not it's not the main attraction. Yeah, I remember uh, the Blair Witch people being in San Diego Con, and that was a big thing. You know, Guillermo del Toro, you know, I remember him in Comic Con with Mimic when he was promoting Mimic. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, they, they were never. It was never. It was never like they were always in the side of these comic cons. They were always, you know, the the side booths or whatever. They were ne- never the kind of the main attraction. But now it seems like horror is bigger than ever, and it seems like it, it's a, it's a great community. And it's not yeah, a- but also also a lot of people that go to these like conventions, like yeah, there's like everyone's a horror fan. But something I've also noticed is like. Well, at least the people that, you know, I always kind of seem to connect with. There's just like a lot of, you know, cinema fans in general. And I've talked about this in in the past before with you guys. But I feel like horror fans are really the people that are responsible for saving or keeping physical media alive. Mm. Because I think they're the ones that are really buying Blu-rays and DVDs. And I think you see the proof in all these like boutique uh, companies like Vinegar Syndrome and Severin and all this stuff. And um, I think a lot of the same people that, you know, buy these horror movies are the same people that buy like Criterion, which isn't horror movies. That's are like more prestigious films and classic films and, and foreign films. And at horror conventions, you see people that aren't necessarily horror actors doing meet and greets. Like I haven't gotten the chance to meet him yet, but I, I'm, I hope I get to like next year or so. But I know Lou Diamond Phillips is going to these horror cons and like, you know, it's it's just. It's just kind of like, you know, cinema fans are going to these things. You know what I mean? What's he go for? Bats? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, when he goes, he's like, his, his, his banners and stuff are for La Bamba and Young, oh, young yeah. Guns. Yeah. Yeah, but he had a couple uh, horror films under his belt. Uh, there was one where he... doesn't he... talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor should he. <laughs> they were pretty bad. Um. All right, that's it. That's your kind of thoughts on a midsummer screen. And yeah, uh, it was a ton of fun. I'm definitely going to go next year. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I love going to these. I love going to conventions in general, but I, I like the community more at the horror cons. Yeah, I would, I would think so because like it, it seems like just a more inclusive uh, community. And uh, it was funny because we we're, we're, you got back from the the convention and you you stayed at our for a house house for a while and we're we put on the live youtube uh where they were having the after party <laughs> and it really feel like it really looked like a bunch of geeks and, and I'm, I'm saying that as a as a like kind of the most heartwarming way i could possibly say a bunch of geeks g- dancing together and you know it's it's almost like a 
a bunch of nerds. I, I mean, it's like the Revenge of the Nerds or something. It's like it's like you know, it's like finally they they have conquered and they're able to like kind of uh, be free and be open and and dance horribly together. <laughs> they had the worst dance moves I've ever seen. But it was it was. But I don't know. I mean, we I mean, we were watching on the YouTube uh, live, so I don't know how what's that say about us. You know, we, we're not even there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it's, it's. I was gonna go. I was gonna go to that, but I was like, ah, uh, my feet hurt. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna go hang out with my brothers. <laughs> uh so that's uh that's that's our thoughts but you know before we go before we end this episode let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the movies you saw recently raymond because you just you just just today you just saw a ninja turtles movie the, the new animated film uh, May- can we uh, talk about that yeah, yeah can we yeah why not oh well, what's it called mayhem mutant mayhem i thought we were only i thought we were only allowed to talk about new releases if we hated them <laughs> okay 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 no let's just say it just go ahead and say it i mean I, I, all right all right all right well i yeah i i absolutely love uh this new ninja turtles movie mutant mayhem uh i've been a ninja turtles fan i guess my whole life pretty much right i mean yeah. it's like since i'm a small child small little boy and uh, I remember really loving the um, the kind of 1980s, 1990s animated series. Um, it was, yeah, one of my favorite cartoons as a little kid. Um, and I, I collected all the toys. I had so many Ninja Turtle toys. and But really, nothing Ninja Turtles-wise was really ever able to surpass that original movie. Mm-hmm. That original movie was fantastic and you know admittedly when back when i was a child i loved secret of the ooze the sequel (laughs) and i still do like secret of the ooze but it's you know it's not as good as the original film nothing was nothing's ever kind of come close but i i truly think mutant mayhem is the best ninja turtles movie the best ninja turtles show or whatever just the best ninja turtles kind of product that we've gotten maybe ever like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I, I do, I, I do still like the original '90s movie more, but I think that a lot of that really for me is just nostalgia, mm-hmm. and I appreciate kind of the dark, the darkness of that movie because it, it's a little closer to what the original comics were. It's like a mixing what the original comics were while mixing what the animated series yeah, did. The cartoon, yeah, yeah. But this, I just overall just think it's like it's just a better film in my opinion, and. And I, I, I guess, like, you know, you know how everyone loves these, the new Spider-Verse movies, right? Everyone's like, there's people out there that are saying, you know, they think the new Spider-Man movie is one of the greatest movies of all time for some reason. <laughs> well, and I, I like the new Spider-Man movies. I thought they were very good. I, I, I definitely like the first Spider-Verse movie a lot. But I actually think I like this movie more. And maybe that's just, you know, the Ninja Turtles fan in me. Mm-hmm. But I, I really loved kind of how this movie, I feel, took certain elements from spider-man not necessarily spider-verse but just spider-man in general like the character the franchise and they took they i think they kind of took two elements from spider-man that are essential to spider-man that we have never really necessarily seen in, in the turtles movie or show before and the way they kind of um injected these things into the film made it feel so refreshing it's not really super original but it felt original watching it on screen but what the two elements i thought they really borrowed from spider-man was the way kind of new york is used and represented in the movie like new york truly like the whole city 
and the characters in it, the, the whole city felt the way New York is used in um in Spider Man in the video games and the and the and the comics and the cartoons, the movies and everything. And I think the way New York is used in Spider Man really is a big part of the reason why Spider Man is as effective as it is. The other thing I thought they used from Spider Man was the way um the the way they, they used the kind of coming of age high school aspect. The way that they handled all that in this film I thought was incredibly refreshing. And and also during a lot of these kind of more serious and emotional scenes in the movie, that's really when we hear um uh the Trent Reznor score, which is mm. phenomenal. Mm. And um I was I was yeah, I was just this I had very high expectations for this movie and it completely exceeded them. This is my fourth favorite movie of the year, right after uh like basically Oscar contenders mm-hmm. uh, right behind uh past lives, uh Blackberry and Oppenheimer. And I do think this movie is also going to be an Oscar contender, but for best animated film. And I hope it wins. I hope it wins. I, 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 I love the movie. I only really have one issue with the film, and it's really a fanboy issue. I don't think most people are going to have this issue, issue with the movie if they're not, you know, Ninja Turtles fans. But I did not love the way uh, Bebop and Rocksteady were kind of utilized in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it didn't re- necessarily bother me a ton because I, I like the storyline of the movie. It's just that um, the way um, there's already so many mutants in the movie that I don't think Bebop and Rocksteady necessarily needed to be in the movie. And they changed their origins to something that it, it worked, but like I'd like their original origins more. So I just kind of wish they saved Bebop and Rocksteady for a future sequel. Mm-hmm. But that's my only that's the only thing with the movie that bothered me. And it's really just like, I think, a fanboy nitpick. So. I, yeah, I think the movie's excellent. Um, I, I actually, I give it a 9 out of 10. I, I loved it. Wow. Wow. Uh, so if, yeah, you, uh, if you're definitely a Turtle fan, you should check it out. And if, you, if you're, uh, I guess, if you like the cartoon, or you like the original 19, 1990s film, that, that this is, uh, will definitely hit those nostalgia feelings for you. Yeah, but I want to bring something up, though, because unfortunately, I don't think this movie's going to do that well at the box office. Mm. And I, I keep trying to think about it because I do think this movie does everything right. But I, I, w- I think, unfortunately, you know, for, for the Ninja Turtles, there's this problem where it's like, if you grew up with it in the 80s and 90s, you have this like fondness for it that never dies. Mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed that, you know, pe- there's a lot of people my age and, and like a little older than me that we just have this love for the Turtles that's kind of forever. And um, Spider-Man has that too. But Spider-Man has that for every generation. Mm-hmm. The Turtles doesn't. I know there's other iterations of Turtles. There was a 2003 Nickelodeon series that was pretty decent. I watched a couple episodes, and I know it has a, uh, it had a huge following. But it seems like the fans that grew up with that, they don't love it as adults the way that you know people from the 80s and 90s loved those other Turtles um, movies and shows. And same with the 2012 um, Nick, uh, Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles cartoon. It seems like I know that pe- the pe- people that that watch that show, and I know even the older fans that you know that that love the, the turtles since the 80s and 90s, they actually say that the 2012 animated series is the best one yet. And I know that it had a lot of young little kid fans that grew up with it, but they don't seem to love turtles as they get older. 
like Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man has a saying where every generation that people love it no matter how old they get. Yeah. Turtles doesn't have that coolness. And, I, and it hurts me to say that because, again, I'm one of these guys from the 90s that, that loved Turtles his whole life, but there's just there's there's a, there's a certain aspect with turtles that hasn't really kind of spread on to the future generations and it seems like the those michael bay produced films just didn't help it didn't help it didn't help at <laughs> yeah. all i mean it was actually it made it more kind of ridiculous and people talk about the look of the film you know how, how yeah. bad it is how how much they look like yeah and I also guess, let me let me bring something yeah. up really quick because um i remember because i again I'm a, I'm a turtles fan so even though i i'm not a big fan of those michael bay movies i did see them in theaters and i remember when i saw the first one in theaters um there was you know a couple like families in the movies in the movie theaters and stuff and i remember um like the dads really like guys like a little older than me and around my age and stuff they were really into the movie and and like pretty much glued to the screen and the kids were like falling asleep bored <laughs> mom was like texting you know like they didn't they were there for dad you know what i mean <laughs> and um yeah and I, I i keep thinking of that and like and during even during this movie meaning mayhem i feel like the, the adults were the people that liked it more <laughs> so ah, i just i don't uh, turtles aren't cool man but i love them <laughs> <laughs> well it's good to hear that you liked it um because uh i i liked uh jeff rowe's last job um the director machines mitchell's versus machines yeah and and um and also his co-director in this film both worked on the, that film and i really enjoyed that film and uh yeah hopefully they get nominated for another oscar mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, I think it, you guys are gonna like this. I think you guys are gonna like this movie. I, but I know you're not gonna love it like I did. But I know you yeah. guys also didn't love Spider Verse as much as everyone else. Also, <laughs> no, well, uh, you mean Cross the Spider Verse or the fir- uh, the uh, the first one? The first one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I like I like Cross across, uh, uh, but uh, I I thought um, it was a little too uh, uh, derivative in the bit in the the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Just, it was just like a little well the, too much. i think the the for me the 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 style of the spider verse is not something i actually like i i i, I find it actually too chaotic for my eyes this one this <laughs> one's also chaotic uh this one but i i, I will say like um because i i've been seeing a lot of the kind of featurettes that were being released for the movie yeah. like uh, seth rogan and the cast talking about it and they keep saying like while uh promoting this film that they were trying to make the animation style feel like doodles and sketches that little high school kids and middle school kids would would draw in 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 school and i think the movie actually did an incredible job like because i was i thought from the trailers it just looked like a spider-verse rip off the animation right 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 but but i actually while watching well after watching the movie i actually think it, it really does feel kind of like kind of like high school doodles in a way and i i liked it i thought it was effective and i think what spider-verse did was a little different where it was a little more artistic it felt more like um a little bit like comic book art but it felt also kind of like um like almost like alex ross stuff at time mm. like it was it was like very kind of artistic spider-man you know the spider-verse yeah this I, was different this was this had a little more like a little punk rock <laughs> attitude because it, it felt very kind of hand-drawn and very kind of um like like doodles like they were saying and i i was effective but it, it is very chaotic like mm-hmm. spider-man so i that part probably won't work as well for you guys 
Well, yeah. as much as much as I did, I didn't have like a, a, a strong reaction to the Spider Verse animation style. Uh, across the Spider Verse is actually, uh, I think, a little bit better visually. I think actually I like the visual uh, look of Across the Spider Verse. Me too. Yeah, because yeah, it, I, yeah, it, it reflected the emotions of those characters. Yeah, I think that those. Yeah, I think it was probably the best thing I, why I like that movie so much. Uh, but to your point. I think you're kind of describing how much I really enjoy the animation style in uh, the Mitchells versus versus the machines, because it's also had like kind of blending a couple of, of, of hand-drawn style and regular CGI style, you know, that's the, true. Huh? Yeah. So I guess maybe that was more, that's something that they were going for, for muted mayhem. So maybe I would like it. I mean, I, maybe I wouldn't have like a, a strong, uh, you know, action like i had with the with uh, into the spider verse which i actually kind of got really dizzy <laughs> and it, it blurred my you know it was like blurry at, at times um but you know before we end this episode rich you i think you wanted to uh recommend a film that's uh has jamie fox in it yeah what's it called they clone tyrone okay yeah the 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 one that's now playing on netflix they clone they clone tyrone um I really enjoyed the film. I, I really thought it was um, creative, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I really enjoyed the acting. And I'm actually looking much more uh, forward to uh, Miss Marvel or to whatever. <laughs> well, they got the same actress, uh, Tayana Paris. She was uh, yeah. one of one of the stars of it. It's also John Boyega and right. uh, Jamie Fox. And Jamie Fox has been in the news lately because he has uh, you know has come out and finally addressed his medical issue or history that he's you know he was undergoing there was rumors that he may have suffered from a heart attack we still don't know what was going on he has said that he's okay he's on the men and it was actually great you know when we saw that i guess instagram video or whatever it was uh it was actually very uh first of all was a shock that that he actually was saying something i because i thought i was i was actually thinking the the worst i thought he was going to be paralyzed or something that you know i and he was looking pretty good and he was sounding really good and it seems like i'm just like wow that's just a you know a load off of my uh shoulders there because i thought for sure that this guy was in bad shape because of of why the reason why they were keeping him away, away from press so uh yeah so it's just you know it's just great that he uh he's he's coming up and it seems like he's coming back and he's on the right track and also he has a really good show a really good movie with uh they clone Tyrone which is a science fiction comedy and i liked it too i saw it and um i what i liked about it it reminds me of some of those 90s uh, uh you know uh, street gang movies like boys in the hood or menace to society mm-hmm. but also a, a mashup with x files and also like 70s black sportation films and it's like a darkly comic it's 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 not as spoofy as you think cuz it's really kind of deadpan uh, some of the some of, you know they play they kind of play it for straight, but at times it gets kind of goofy too. But I don't know. I thought it was a really nice blend of those two genres, at least the kind of black exploitation uh, '90s uh, gang movies with mm-hmm. this kind of X Files uh, conspiracy, government conspiracy thing. And I yeah, uh, I thought I thought it was gonna. I thought it was going to be like a shitty kind of movie because like all Netflix original films are kind of more on the, on the bad, but this was, this turned out to be a really good, 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 uh, film. And I think it's from the guy who, uh, wrote 
Creed 2, and this is his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewel, Jewel Taylor, I believe his name is. Uh, so it's a promising start from the from this filmmaker. And yeah. Um, well, I, I, I haven't seen this movie yet. I just saw the trailer, but I, I think it looks great, and I am looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I hope it gets a lot more looks because uh, it, it, it is set up for... It's getting this... It seems like as, a, it it's getting be, spanked by the outlaws. <laughs> or yeah. they, was it the outlaws or the in-laws? The in, yeah, the outlaws. Yeah, the outlaws. The, but it seems like it could be have a like a like a, a, a continuation to the show or whatever to the movie. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, it seems like I, I don't know if they were specific on where it took place, but it seems like it took place in the dirty South or, or Atlanta or something. And it really seems like, it, it, you know, if they are going to make a spinoff or a sequel, it seems like they could like set uh, the same kind of story in New York or L.A. or whatever big city there is, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I, you know, even if it doesn't make a kind of, if the, you know, if this doesn't become a franchise, I think it's still a, a worthy see, a, a worthy watch. Um, to end the episode, though, let me give you one quick uh, recommendation, and this is a, another Netflix original that I saw a, like a couple of weeks ago, and it's the Wham documentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Wham documentary is a, a basically it is told through the voice of uh, George Michael. I guess they got pre-recorded uh, interviews. George Michael and uh, who was the other guy? Who's the other guy? Andrew, Andrew Ridgely. And so Andrew, the, uh, the other guy. Ridgely, Ridgely. <laughs> okay, so the and, other guy, right? So, and it, I, what I found, you know, like, I, like I'm not the biggest Wham guy. I'm not even really that big of a George Michael guy. I, I do like their songs. I, I liked Wham's songs. and But I was, I was shocked at how much I kind of really enjoyed the documentary because it was all shot through or it was all edited with kind of archival footage mm-hmm. and it's directed from it's, it's from the director of uh chris smith who uh who's a guy who i liked a lot he's a, he's a documentary filmmaker who i first uh come across with the movie american movie which is this fantastic kind of documentary about this uh, uh independent filmmaker in the 90s this is kind of like a really uh look at the kind of the dark side of independent films of the, of the 90s where this uh film nerd from i forgot what's you know like wisconsin or something like who who a horror guy a horror filmmaker yeah. who was trying to break into the business but because if he because he was from this small town he had no kind of resources and no connections so it it, it was a terrific kind of uh you know f- you know film nerd making movie making of a horror movie uh it's called american movie so this is the first time i heard of uh chris smith who's the documentary and he has gone on to do some really uh, bigger movies like uh, he did the jim and andy the the great beyond which is the behind the scenes uh documentary on the making of a man on the moon which is uh, jim carrey as annie kaufman and his going through his process he also did uh is that the documentary that's just basically like uh like that everyone was talking about was like jim carrey just like being crazy yeah yeah or whatever yeah i i thought that documentary was great i didn't think it was jim carrey being crazy i thought people were just like uh really like over over interesting you know i i, didn't, I thought it was just, i thought I, it was I, just I, being, I, being method i i actually never saw it i never saw it i mean uh uh actually i always put that on my queue uh, 
I, 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 after hearing like the reception to that movie, I'm like, man, people are so sensitive. I'm like, imagine how people will react to like a documentary about like Kubrick, like, like that coming out today. <laughs> they, they would probably start burning his movies. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, that was basically a bunch of archival footage where Jim Carrey, did he shoot the footage of him himself or was it like his people or something like that? I don't, I don't know. But, so, um, so, but basically it's just the behind the scenes of making man of the moon, which is the, the Annie Kaufman biopic. And then, and it, it kind of goes into his process of being like this really, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh what's, what's the one when you, the actor goes deep, deep, deep undercover. What was, uh, yeah. Me- method. method, method, method right. Yeah. So that the Jim Carrey went extremely method. Uh, I, I want to see like a, a documentary like that about Jared Leto and suicide squad. <laughs> <laughs> like we're, we're, uh, what's the truth to those rumors like we're because you know there were all those stories about what he was doing to the cast on set and like all these gifts that he was in like what what was the truth what was exaggerated because i know something had to have been made up what was real what was not no, there's okay. a documentary on that <laughs> so uh chris smith did that documentary he also did the fry documentary which is about the the the, the, the music festival so, oh. so that Fire. was Fire, fire right fire festival yeah a fire festival documentary and also i should add he also did uh senior which is the the robbie robert downey jr's father documentary which is kind of like a uh, he directed it but it's mostly uh was it was mostly in collaboration with robert downey jr and they're talking about his father the, I, I think I, I saw that one that was actually pretty good but too. he also produced tiger king yeah, this guy's good. This guy's been doing a lot of stuff. He's also I, I, apparently he has a a, a surfing Netflix guy. Yeah, he also did an HBO surfing docu series called "A Hundred Foot Wave," which I, ha- I have heard a lot of good things about. And uh, so this guy's uh, one of the better documentary filmmakers. And with Wham, I just thought it was really, really enjoyable because it really is a, a portrait of this friendship that George Michael has with Andrew Ridgely who they've been close friends since they were 16 or even younger, maybe, and grew up. And really, I this is what I didn't realize, that, that the band Wham! was only kind of in the zeitgeist for only four or five years. And yeah. they had a whole bunch of hits, and then George Michael went off to um, to his solo career and became a, you know, a huge international star. Um. The, the movie itself is really kind of the rise of George Michael's and how or the rise of George Michael and how he became this really big uh, pop star where he kind of starts off as being this really chubby little kid from England, uh, kind of introverted. And that Andrew originally was his best friend and he was the one who kind of brought, brought him out of his shell. And that I think the what I really enjoyed is like you have these kind of friendships that work. And you, and you know, some of these legends or some of these, you know, like major movie stars or celebrities, sometimes you need people to kind of help you on your way to that path. And I think that's what this movie really does very well and pinpoint that kind of story. Cause I mean, if it, if it wasn't for Andrew Ridgely, uh, George Michael would have never been anything. He would have been just, you know, um, you know, working in England or working for his father or whatever, you know, uh, company, he would have been, I don't know, very, I don't know what he would have been doing, but it's definitely, he would have been like a major music legend. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the documentary because it was all, all home foot, home video footage and, and old music videos combined and stuff like that. Any, any 
any archival footage he was able to find, he used it in this thing. Yeah. And it never got boring. So, and yeah, and, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, my, uh, it was narrated mostly by Andrew, but George as well. Yeah. It was it, the way they had put together, I think was, was a really innovative and, and, and smart and really shows you that if you have enough kind of footage and archival footage that you could it's put, on netflix it's yeah. on netflix and then you, okay. if you could like uh, uh put together kind of these kind of document i mean this is kind of like what i like about the document these type of documentaries sometimes i don't I, it's not bogged down by like sit down interviews this is really just told through these kind of recordings of their voices and they're using as the narration as they got a ton. I mean, Chris Smith got a ton of archival footage, a really yeah. amazing, amazing uh, archival footage of some of their stuff that when they first started, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I guess it's a little bit like what they what he did with Jim and, and Andy, the Great Beyond, that documentary about the Man of the Moon, of uh, just like piecing together this kind of uh, a story. And I just found it very interesting it made me think that maybe most documentaries are going to be like this because nowadays people have shot a whole bunch of videos you know on their phones and, and they have a bunch of photographs so you know who's i don't know who's the next you know if taylor swift ever makes a doc i guess she has made documentaries before but anyway whoever whatever big kind of uh pop star that come you know has come out in the last 10 years or so i guess it'll be looking you, like you this could probably, you could probably do like um a documentary like i know they have they already have but like they've made like bullshit documentaries i want to <laughs> see like a like a real documentary about like how fame like ruined uh justin bieber mm. <laughs> that would be interesting <laughs> no but it's, it's, it's just fascinating because like you know he he started on youtube and like you can, right so you can make like a, a whole thing like documented but i want to see like the, the dark side you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and i would say this is not i guess it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like the most original documentary but uh but i mean the, all the footage is there yeah they have the footage and yeah, i think a lot just... of a lot of a lot of these new new artists you know not just pop stars or or band or rock stars you know any kind of celebrities they have a ton of footage uh, just because of the nature of social social media and i just wonder mm -hmm. if wham is going to be more the uh the norm because it's gonna because of the accessibility accessibility well, there of these ha, footage, there been, footage there have been a, a ton of documentaries actually like coming out on about all these late rappers i mean like during the past yeah. like yeah yeah it's true i mean like 2015 to 2020 there was like a lot of rappers coming coming up and they all like died at mm -hmm. extremely young ages like i mo like there, there's like that year that that age most like um most like uh like guitarists musicians singers they die at like 27 is it yeah like something that, like that yeah that, right. that was broken that was broken in the past like recently because like so many of these like rappers died at like 19 and 21 it's like crazy mm -hmm. but like there have there have been documentaries coming out on all of them yeah and there are there there they are like pretty good because they are there's so much footage You're right you know what i mean yeah and yeah. so this is very odd because this is an 80s band and so it really is, it takes you back to the eighties and it takes you back to that time. It takes you back to that. And it really kind of shows you the kind of behind the scenes of them kind of blowing up in the scene. And, uh, and, and it, it's really kind of at the center is that friendship between the two and how much that they, they are not only bandmates, but are they, they are really brothers. And they're, and I think that was just kind of a, 
a welcome uh, surprise that I didn't didn't necessarily thought I was gonna get because I not like I said I was not a big. I mean, I mean, I mean, I like some of their music, but I was not expecting to like. I was expecting just to watch maybe ten minutes of this. But put, you told me it, before that you watched another George Michael documentary, right? That, right. Then you said, I think, I think you said that's the reason you wanted to check this out because you thought you'd get more of the full story because well, uh, the, the, other, wham, the yeah. other guy wasn't involved. Yeah, at least yeah, get the so wham I, part. You, 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 I mean, well, I'm, you sold me on this documentary. I'm going to check it out. It sounds good. Um, what, 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 what would you rate this? Oh, uh, this is a B plus for me. Um, All right. But yeah, yeah, I did, you know, George, the, the George Michael documentary is, was a, was his, uh, it was a documentary that he did right before he passed away. He was working on it and that was like a very personal thing that he did. And then it, that came out of, uh, uh, that came out after his, his death. And so I saw that and I thought that was, I thought that was good. I actually liked this documentary more than his documentary just because mm -hmm. I, I just, I just like the going, just the nostalgia factor of it. Um, well, I think both yeah, documentaries complement each other and they could probably work. It, you know, that George Michael documentary could be actually the sequel to this because it basically stops where that George Michaels begins. Right. This is a literal scrapbook of the beginning of Wham to mm -hmm. the, the end of Wham. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and it really it hits a high note because it's really when George Michael becomes a superstar and becomes like a accomplished uh, singer. And, 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 and artists and it, the show it, with the, where the documentary kind of begins where he was kind of a nerd and a shy kid. So to see that arc, I thought it was fascinating and see that how, how much Andrew played a part in that. And really he was the one who was the more confident and um, self-assured and he just pushed uh, George because he saw something in George. And, you know, I thought that was just kind of uh, a, uh, something I didn't really expect it. And I, I, I enjoyed it. So there and you something go. I, something I really didn't expect was that he was straight, Andrew Richie. <laughs> right, uh, right. Morgan's gay also. And there's, you yeah. know, there, there was, there was, yeah. there's a sweet moment, wow. and when when they discuss, and it's so it's so odd that they have these. Uh, maybe they were kind of working on a biograph uh, or a, a autobiography or something because they have all these kind of recorded uh, interviews. But there was a sweet moment where where. George was talking about coming out for the first time mm -hmm. to Andrew and not knowing if he's going to accept it or whatever. And Andrew said, yeah, you're my brother. I don't care. You know, like, uh, and I thought, oh, and this is like right in the, you know, this is 85, 86. This is not like, you know, turn no, uh, age. It's not like now. Rising. Yeah. It's not like it's, it was, it's a bold, you know, thing to say after during that time. But I mean, I thought that was a kind of a sweet moment too. I mean, I, 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 I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this wham documentary. I'm gonna, I'm, I guess I'm a, I'm a wham guy now. <laughs> I'm a fan no, of the I mean, wham. But, but like I said, it was, it was during the AIDS, uh, birth yeah, the AIDS pandemic and or whatever, and uh, the, the 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 big scare of how infectious it is. Well, so, well, he didn't come out and said he had AIDS. He just said that he was gay. Oh no 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 no. Well, then, right, no, right, no, right, just saying, yeah. right right right. And also there, you know both of them coming from immigrant backgrounds and they were mm -hmm. saying like, you know, he couldn't, you know, they were saying like, you can't tell your father. He's, you know, he's a hot, oh, uh, yeah. a hot blooded Greek man. He would never uh, understand it. You know, like, so there was fear there, you know, and the fact that Andrew and it's not just Andrew, all like all the people, uh, cause like uh, apparently Andrew had a, a girlfriend who was part of the, you know, it was semi, semi part of the band. She was the kind of the background dancer 
and they were all kind of there kind of like supporting him i thought that was a just a, like a great little insight in the in this documentary and and how and it just shows you how much this goes into like some of the intimate moments of, of both of their lives uh yeah so wham I, i'm 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 i was shocked at how much i liked it because like i said i, I thought i was gonna like turn this off in 15 minutes i was just gonna give it a little shot and wow, I was like, oh, no, 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 this is turning out to be pretty good. So there you go. My recommendation for Wham. Then you got uh, they clone Tyrone and also the new Ninja or the Tur Turtles Ninja. No, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem, which is now available now in theaters. So there you go. Three kind of uh, selection there. Three recommend recommendations. Um, so that's it. Let's uh, end the episode with that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with an, uh, with another episode. I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll find something to talk about. All right. Thank you, everyone. All right. We got to go. Bye bye, everyone.